Welcome to Bitchwick, a New York-based dating podcast where I, your host Mitchie, and my guests explore the complicated, fun, magical, and sometimes just downright fucked aspects of dating in New York City. Research shows that female pleasure is still not prioritized when it comes to sex, and many women do not experience a lot of sexual pleasure. This includes climaxing or orgasming during sex. So I want to talk a little bit more about female pleasure um, and sex in general. So I called in Lisa Finn, who is the brand manager of Babeland, to talk about sex. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming on and re-recording. Yeah, not a problem at all. Yeah. How is the weather out there? Absolutely vile. We've been having like on and off thunderstorms for the past almost a week now. So at this point, I'm just over it. I attempted to step outside uh, a little while ago to have a cigarette. I was maybe outside for like two minutes and just drenched no you look great though oh thank you so do you (laughs) thank you you. i'm in my playboy tie-dye jumpsuit outfit it's quite as one should be as one should be the only way to be in the home for sure i am wearing pajama pants right now so it's Business on the top, cozy on the bottom. <laughs> cozy on the bottom. Yes, yes, yes. As every good YouTuber and video artist knows. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if I'm not leaving the house, there is no way I'm putting on hard pants. Oh, no. No one needs to put on hard pants. No, no, no. Not after the year we've had. Yeah. Hard <laughs> pants are so 2019. So 2019. <laughs> So uh, I don't know if you'd like to, Lisa, but you can give some background into what you do and just explain more as what being the brand manager for Babeland entails. Yeah. So I am the, like you said, the brand manager for Babeland. That means a lot. So for those of you that are tuning in that may not know what Babeland is, we are a feminist owned and operated sex toy shop. But beyond just being a retail space, we uh, really want to exist as a resource. So everyone that works at any of our store locations is actually a trained sex educator. We want to make sure that not only are we getting you the physical tools that you may be looking for for your sex life, but also the information. We host workshops. We put out educational emails. We go to colleges. We do events for nonprofits. And we just want to make sure that everyone has access to accurate and accessible sex positive sex education and information. So that's really our mission. As the brand manager, I do a lot. This last year and a half throughout the pandemic, a lot of my team has had to put on many different hats, many more than we usually wear. So right now I help with the web. I run the education program. I'm teaching at least like five workshops a month. I am helping out with retail training and PR and media. If anybody reads like Refinery29 or Cosmopolitan or BuzzFeed, there's a good chance that you've read one of my quotes. I'm kind of all over the place, but I do love it. 
I love what Babeland does. I love our mission. So even though it's a lot of work, it's never work that I regret or I feel sort of weighed down doing. That's amazing. Thank you so much. That is a very, very descriptive explanation. Couldn't have said it (laughs) better myself. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. I, I mean, I'm so surprised of like how much work you've been able to do and to curate not only you, but everyone that works at Babeland. As we've moved more onto an online platform, how do you feel that has affected sex education? Because a lot of what Babeland or from my interaction to Babelin was, is in-person classes. And we see all this information on the web from YouTube to TikToks about sex and sex work. How does that play into the way you guys now educate? It's really interesting because there is a very positive side to it as well as a very negative side. Uh, The negative side is that for me personally as an educator and i know i could speak to a lot of the folks that are in this industry whether they're on my team good vibrations or anywhere that connection that we have when we have that sort of like one-on-one in-person talk with somebody whether it's in the stores or at a workshop whatever it is that really sort of creates this energy and this space that folks feel a little bit more comfortable talking openly about their sexuality and it feels a little bit more more personal, really catering the experience to the individuals as we're talking to them. So that's the negative, but the positive is that now it's a lot more accessible to get this information, right? So we offer our classes on Zoom. So no matter where you are in the world, you can tune in. They're free. You don't have to worry about getting to one of the shops. If you do get to one of the shops, you don't have to worry about, you know, are there too many people there? Can you fit? Do we have to unfortunately ask you to leave if we've hit fire code, which has happened. Sometimes we'll host workshops and they'll be so popular. We'll have to like cut it off, which sucks, but it's a reality. And also the ability to attend anonymously. So whereas there is that chance if you're coming to an in-person workshop, that maybe you'll run into somebody uh, or maybe someone will see you and maybe you aren't at that point in your own sexual journey to openly say like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to a class on fisting today. Being able to tune in digitally, no one needs to know what you're doing. No one needs to know what you're watching. You can even pop in a pair of headphones and listen like you're listening to a podcast. It kind of makes me giggle imagining someone listening just ever so quietly at their office desk to you talking about fisting as they casually type away, it just brings me so much joy. (laughs) I will say it definitely isn't a rare thing. My friend told me that she has been tuning into every single one of my classes and she listens while she does the dishes. That is her thing, is that she gets her sex ed and her chores at the same time, which, hey, listen, we appreciate a multitask. I appreciate a good multitask. I appreciate someone who knows how to get down and dirty, both metaphorically and physically, and get shit done. Learning how to get dirty while getting things clean. That's my new tagline. (laughs) I'm going to quote that. We'll put it on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Dirty, but kind of clean? But kind of, question, well, you know, it's kind of like New York City. It's like, uh, it's, it's like certain areas quite polished, down in the dirt's really gritty, questionable. Hey, listen, that bodega doesn't have a letter rating on the door, but I'm still going to eat the bacon, egg, and cheese. I don't know. It's 
you're still going to eat the bacon, egg, and cheese, and you're still going to pet the bodega cat because you know it's good. You know it's good. <laughs> yeah, I miss bodega cats. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. So it's great that you guys are offered, like, able to still offer that sex education online because I know for me it was so eye-opening when I went to Babeland and to the course. And this is, like, not even a plug to anyone that is listening. I was actually introduced to Babeland by my therapist. Shout out to therapy because we were talking about my personal relationship with my body and sex. And my therapist was like, hey, there is this female-oriented, lovely sex shop. You should go check it out. And I was able to, I think the first class I ever went to was with you. And it was about anal. (laughs) It was anal 101. And I was so nervous. And I walk in and it's a cozy, I want to say it was a, it was a weekday, not early in the week, but it was definitely a weekday class. And it was in the evening. It felt cozy. It was a smaller store. And there was actually a lot of people in there that came for the class. And I will never forget my first impression of you because you come up and you're so smiley and you're just like, hey, you know, like anal is great because like everyone can join in on the fun because everyone has a butt. And I was like, this is it. This this is what I need to do. <laughs> that makes it. me so happy to hear because I... I just want everyone to feel so invited in the space. And it's actually, it's it's so interesting because working at Babeland has made me be more approachable because I really want to make sure that people are feeling welcome in the space. And working in sex ed has completely ripped my, my resting bitch face off of my body just because I so genuinely want people to feel not only welcome, but empowered. And a lot of that is just making sure that the space is comfortable. You know, there's this idea of a safe space. What does it mean? And for me, it means that no one feels restricted, that everyone feels welcome and that you can exhale when you're in there. And so it makes me so happy to know that me just in all of my energetic wonder was just like, let's talk about butts. And you were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it was good. And I'm glad, I mean, I can't imagine you with a resting bitch face, but it, it goes to show that you actually like what you do and you care about what you do. And that's the most important thing, especially if you're going to be working in a field that is sex adjacent, sex related or within the sex industry. I don't think people under like understand how deep and intimate and personal and emotional it can be to have and explore yourself sexually and to I guess experience and meet other people within I guess like your sexual community I mean we're all sexual beings but to be able to connect with other people in what is like a safe and intimate space and learn without any preconceived notions without any judgment because I think for a lot of people learning on the spot with a partner so stressful so incredibly stressful so to have that option to just take some time by yourself and to get into that is amazing but 
what has been something you've learned and, or I guess a couple of things that you've learned about yourself and your own sexual journey through working at Babeland? Yeah. So I feel like one of the biggest takeaways that I've had personally is the understanding of the importance of unlearning when it comes to stigma, when it comes to the idea of being sexually informed, when it comes to the idea of feeling sexually empowered and understanding that that needs to mean different things for different people. You know, the whole construct of virginity being this awful patriarchal myth, the idea of sex having tears to it, things like kink that, you know, if you can't handle X, Y, and Z, then you're not actually kinky. The idea of things like, I don't know if growing up you were ever taught about or like heard through the grapevine about like the whole like baseball analogy of like, oh, first base is making out, second base is touching a tit, third base is oral, and then home run is penetrative sex. This idea that that sort of tears sex. And even when we say the word sex, what do we mean? You know, when we say sex, are we specifically talking about penetration? Are we specifically talking about cis hetero vaginal penetration? Sort of our understanding of, of what that means and what erotic exploration can look like on such a broad spectrum. So constantly unlearning in order to have uh, a broader scope of things has been something that I'm really, really grateful for. You know, there's, there's not a single moment in this job where I'm not learning something new. Oh, that's amazing. I'm sorry. I would like to run. I like, so didn't want to interrupt you because it was like really beautiful and to like run over to unmute my mic, but that's really, really lovely. (laughs) I think, yeah, I think for a lot of people being open to the idea that you don't know everything is is so key, especially when it comes to sex and the way you might've felt about something years ago might have changed or um if you're not comfortable with something you it's okay to not be and to have a firm boundary around that and it's always there's always room for growth in your sexual journey no matter how old you are because i i felt like i entered my sexual journey pretty young in terms of my sexuality, right? Because from their young age, within my friend group, I identified as like queer, like bisexual. And I think now my tender age of 27, I realized that I'm also having like another, not even sexual awakening, but just I think through spending a lot of time alone, I realize a lot of things about myself when it comes to intimacy and sexual orientation and sexual attraction that I don't think I would have ever really realized had I not taken the time, A, to be by myself, but also just things that grow and change with time. Yeah, I think what a lot of people sort of ignore is how our tastes can change over time. But beyond that, that physically our bodies go through changes literally all of the time. It's not a matter of 
okay, we've hit puberty and now we're in this zone and then we hit menopause and then we're in this zone. It's a constant fluctuation. And the way that our bodies sort of react and respond to pleasure and to stimulation can change with things as simple as time of the day or what partner we're with or what mood we're in. And learning your own body is so, so, so pivotal to understanding how you can best access that pleasure, whether it's with a partner or just on your own. Constant exploration is something that is super important for this. You know, even if you've figured out like your cheat code up, down, up, down, ABAB start, and that's how you reach your orgasm, you know, maybe find a different way to play that level, find a different way to explore. There are also hundreds of different ways, not only that you can access orgasm, but how you can feel it. Orgasms don't necessarily need to be the same every time. There are countless different ways that you can feel it. There's there's no designated way to access pleasure. And beyond that, pleasure doesn't need to culminate in orgasm. So taking the time to explore the body, to find new erogenous zones, and to understand that just because it worked for you four years ago doesn't mean it's going to work for you now. Just because it worked for you yesterday doesn't mean it's going to work today. A hundred percent. And I think a lot about so many people's bodies have also changed over quarantine and also being forgiving in that sense and the relationship we have with our body to sex because that's also like a very tricky and slippery can sometimes be a slippery slope for a lot of people or especially in my experience like a lot of femme or women that I've met in my life myself included just um the relationship with our bodies and sex and how we view ourselves as necessarily like a person but just a vessel for someone else's sexual experience yeah Yeah, I definitely get that. I am someone who personally, my body has gone through a lot of change over the past few years. And I think a lot of it, we think about confidence and acceptance rather than the exploration of because we've gone through these physical changes, whether we're talking about a fluctuation in weight, whether we're talking about mobility, whether we're talking about hormones, whatever it is, that it's very much so a, if one door closes, another one probably has opened up and finding new ways to explore, you know, like, Hey, I'm a big girl now. That means I have more places to touch. That means I have more places to kiss. You know, maybe I have been a little bit sedentary over the past couple of months. So maybe I'm not as flexible as I used to be, but that means that now I can try different positions. Maybe I added some props like a pillow or tools to help me access new ways to sort of experience pleasure. I think that we constantly look to resources like porn and sort of see that as the ideal way to have sex, to perform sex. And I think that's that's really the operative word here is that porn is great. I love porn. I'm very, very pro-porn, but it's entertainment. It's not education. Mostly there is educational porn out there, but I'm speaking specifically to like this stuff that you can like just Google and there's the video right then and there. You know, these are trained performers. These are folks that are getting water breaks and there are scene breaks and they're 
you know, they do this as a career. They're professionals. They're trained. Beyond that, you know, porn isn't necessarily for the pleasure of the performers. It's for the pleasure of the third party watching. So those moves, those tricks, those bodies, they're not necessarily how we should be reflecting our own pleasure. Beyond that, you know, if something works for you, doesn't mean it's going to work for me. If something works for nine out of 10 people, it doesn't mean that one out of the 10 is broken or something is wrong. It just means that that one out of 10 experiences pleasure in a different way. And I I think it's this idea that, again, with the unlearning of what sex should look like. A hundred percent. I was actually going to bring that up because I know like statistically, I think it was like beer or like alcohol, porn, and I forget the third product. And this is all Googleable, but like essentially like porn was one of the most like fast tracked items during the pandemic and especially with also that research about how like so many people's bodies have changed due to sedentary and you know people not being able to move the way they have before or maybe not being not feeling into themselves and confidence and acceptance that all ties into each other and I always wonder or worry how the porn industry because not all porn is unrealistic of course but like we all know like the breath like the brazers and like the porn hub and like all those different famous like i'd say common known like porn companies and sites yeah porn sites yeah porn sites and how they can I mean, a lot of the actors are like paid, like, as you said, they're paid to do this and they're paid to look a certain way or they're scouted to look a certain way. And so I always wonder, like, through the pandemic, how only you, for like a year, like a prolonged period, maybe for a decent amount of people, that is how they've only been able to view sex. Yeah. And, you know, it, It exists, it doesn't exist in a vacuum just with like the porn world. I mean, something as simple as, you know, the boom of social media influencers, people that we see getting praise for existing, those are very much so archetypal bodies. You know, you've got the skinny white cis femme and this idea of, what the ideal body should look like. Thankfully, we are beginning to break out of that as more people are understanding that variety is truly cliche, but the spice of life, you know, and that when we think about our likes and our dislikes and exploration, a big part of that is throwing that away, whether or not it's in regards to ourselves and how we view our own bodies and how we view partners or, you know, what we consider sexy. Is that what we personally are turned on by or is it what we think that we should be turned on by? And this, again, is just all cyclical coming back to the idea of unlearning. Oh, 100%. Like unlearning is so, so important. And if you have the time, you should definitely take some time alone and figure out like what you like in terms of attraction, 
how your body feels. But with the turn of social media and like platforms like TikTok and YouTube, like how do you feel like with that access of social media has like turned, I guess, sexual history, sexual form? Because there is a lot of information out there. Is it good? Is it bad? Is the popularization of, you know, what TikTokers call accountants and all of that? <laughs> What's your take on that? First of all, I am super stoked that the conversation on sex work has taken a huge shift. We're seeing it less so stigmatized with the sort of renaissance that that we're seeing right now, new ways to do things like cam work. So like OnlyFans, Patreons, things like that. There is still a lot of stigma surrounding IRL sex work, but at least this is opening the conversation. I think that it is great that folks are finding their empowerment on these platforms. And beyond that, you know, securing the bag while doing so, definitely reminding folks that like this shit is work and you got to pay for it. You know, we were talking about like all those porn sites before. Honestly, the best quality porn that you can find is porn that you should pay for. And I mean, you should always be paying for porn because again, these folks are doing work. Free labor should not be a thing. But the thing that I'm not so thrilled about this is, it's, it's very much so complicated with things like on TikTok, you know, folks talking about how to do certain things. This is something that you see a lot with like BDSM. So like TikToks on like how to do a certain rope bondage tie or like showing people how to do flogging tricks. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that, you know, this is accessible and it's on a platform that maybe you didn't need to dig as deep to find also tiktok's algorithm is like scary accurate like it is it is disturbing that like i'll think in my head that i want to grill cheese and all of a sudden i've gotten like 13 videos for grilled cheeses um, but <laughs> different cheeses yeah seriously the different cheeses um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no i want to grill cheese again but yeah so you know, it's, it's great that this information is so accessible, but with that, it isn't necessarily vetted information. Right. Not all of these people are sex educators. Some of these people are speaking from personal experience. So beyond the idea of, you know, what works for you might not work for me, vice versa. Beyond that, it's a matter of safety. Sometimes I was watching a TikTok where this person was showing this beautiful, beautiful shibari harness and they had done it. It was, it was purely decorative, very easy ties. But the problem was, was that the hitch that they did around the neck was a slip knot. So a slip knot doesn't have any attention to it. So it can move up and down. A slip knot is what a noose is made out of. It looks very pretty, but if you have a slip knot around the neck and then something pulls at another rope, you could very easily choke somebody. Um, Now, if someone that was watching that, that didn't know what that knot work was, went ahead and put that harness on somebody and something happened, that person could get hurt. That person could get choked. Yeah, it's a beautiful harness, but you know, they didn't say like, this is purely decorative or only do this not if you know what you're doing or, you know, don't put rope around someone's neck if you're just getting started. So 
if you are interested in diving into something, if you see like a TikTok or an Instagram or rest in peace Tumblr, that's not a thing anymore, but like wherever your social media is taking place, if you see something that intrigues you, learn about it more. There are things that you can absolutely dive into and experiment with, but there are also things that you should take your time and learn about before diving into. And rope work is definitely one of those things. So yeah, I, I am very happy about the fact that exposure is increasing, which over time will make it more mainstream, which makes it more palatable, which makes it easier for folks to have open conversation about these things, mm-hmm. less taboo, whether it's with their friends or their partners, but also you can't necessarily vet the information. Yeah, a hundred percent. Also RIP Tumblr, cause I miss Tumblr smut. I, what a time. Seriously, my entire collegiate experience was dependent on Tumblr porn, so. Oh, I think so. That was so revolutionary for so many people, Um, especially as a horny teenager. It was fantastic. That and the just smut writing that was on Tumblr was just chef's kiss. Oh my God. Yeah. Fanfic. I love fanfic as like a vessel for folks to sort of get into the idea of erotica because a lot of folks, they're like, Oh, it's erotic fan fiction. It's not erotica. Um, it's it's a long book, but it's not a novel. You know, call, call it's romance. Rose by any other name, it's still porn. But I I love that it it sort of like gives this nice little introduction to erotica and beyond that because it's stories that we're looking into deeper. So like you have characters that you love. And now you're reading this thing and you're like, oh, wow, that's actually really hot. That's something that I'd be interested in. It can sort of be a nice little door to peek behind and be like, why did that interest me so much? Why am I horny? Let's look into this. Is this something that I maybe want to try in real life? Is this something that I can maybe learn about more? Again, that idea of you've had the taste, gather the ingredients, right? get the recipe, Mm -hmm. Try the dish. Maybe I should fuck a vampire. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, who shouldn't? Really? (laughs) My favorite is I was watching YouTube videos on the discourse of a type of fanfic genre where it's it's wolf-centered. Oh, is it like the whole like alpha, beta, omega? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was utterly fascinating to me. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, please, please do a deep Google search. Don't do this at work, but do a deep Google search. It is honestly super fascinating erotic fanfic. It's, I don't know if it's personally my cup of tea, but the dialogue around it is super fascinating and also how so many fanfics are now just immersing their way in everyday pop culture which is crazy to me now that I think about it because at first it started off it kind of seemed like a joke like when we saw like 50 shades of gray come onto the screen and we're like ah but now more and more fanfic has taken place in the center stage which I don't know how you feel about that but it's quite interesting. It, it is really interesting because I, I 
so much fan fiction is, you know, it is unique writing. It's just taking characters that already exist. And then you have AU alternate universe where it's like, you're just taking the names of the characters. You're just taking the idea of their names and what they look like, but this isn't necessarily them. This is completely, this is a completely unique work. It's like 50 shades of gray was a twilight fan fiction. Very, very weird to think about that. Personally, I find it weird to think about that because it's, you know, a very adult thing and the characters were originally teenagers and there's an interesting break in that. So when I say weird, I'm not shaming anything. I just personally, there's there's a little bit of a disconnect when I try to put A and B together. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's it's great, again, how many doors that opens and things that you don't realize allude directly to other things like that whole wolf like alpha beta omega thing that's very much so a dip into ds play that's very much so a dip into dominance and submission and bdsm and this idea of power play and control sometimes you even get uh cnc which is consensual non-consent things that are considered more taboo when you put the sexual name next to it but when explored through these avenues like, you know, throwing in the names of popular book or movie characters, it seems more accessible and and gives us the ability to figure out like, hey, again, is this something I want to sort of dip my toes into more? Yeah. And it makes it also seem so much more inviting because it's like no one would title a book like CNC, but, or maybe they will. We're not having hit that point, but no one, most people in like, the broader strange of like media and society like maybe wouldn't pick up a book that was just blatantly labeled bdsm cnc but like you put a fabio-esque man on the cover or something a little dark and mysterious you, you slap romance on it and suddenly it's okay it's viable and it's literature that is res- well, I won't say respected because that's a, it's a, that's a personal opinion, but it, it, it's widely accepted. And that is really, really fascinating and amazing, especially like what we've come to in terms of like sexual revolution. Yeah. And for how many people, it's sort of an introduction to masturbation as well. This idea of, you know, I was reading this thing or watching this thing and it doesn't even have to be fan fiction. It could be something as simple as like, uh, you know, a, a movie or a TV show or reading something, something that isn't explicitly marketed as pornography or something that doesn't even have to have any pornographic elements to it at all. But you still have this moment of, oh, this is turning me on. I'm by myself when I take this moment to explore and having it be through something that isn't marketed as explicit can make us feel a little bit more comfortable But again, I think it's just an opening of the door while we sort of wait for there to be the bigger conversation of things like porn, things like erotica, not being something shameful to want to enjoy. It's media. It's it's consumable media. It is something that brings us pleasure, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, which is what media is apt to do it's it's to make us feel something it's to make us think or it's to help us escape porn and erotica do just that they're just horny that's really the only difference horny everyone's just horny 
Thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on to today's episode. Is there anything that you wanted to leave listeners with today before we log off? First and foremost, make sure that you get out there and take time for yourself to explore your body, to find out what feels good for you, whether it's physically, emotionally, erotically, whatever. We talk about self-care all the time. Don't let sexuality fall to the wayside when you're thinking about that. And if you are interested in learning more, or if you do have any questions, you can find us on social media. We're at Babeland underscore toys. And we are in uh, New York City. We have two locations in Manhattan, one in Brooklyn. We're out in Seattle, Washington as well, and online at babeland.com. But feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to pop into a store. And one of our sex educators would be more than glad to answer any of your questions, as long as you're over 18, because laws. Because <laughs> law. Because <laughs> law. Because law. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, and have a great day. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely love talking to you every time. So uh, let me know if you ever want to chat again. Yes. Oh, my God. Of course. To find out more about Babeland, you can head on over to babeland.com or also follow them on Instagram for any upcoming sexual courses that they may be running or to check out any of the cute sex toys that they also have displayed online. If you want to get in contact or find out more about Lisa, you can follow Lisa on Instagram as well. Their Instagram is L. A underscore Finn with two N's. And remember to tune in for the next following episode. Bye.